we've been kind of in this series on prayer, talking about prayer, and, you know, uh, especially for our leaders in our nation. You know, this election's coming up on, on Tuesday. Very important election, I think, for us as a nation. Uh, I think it definitely uh, will determine our, our future and have a great impact on us. Um, and so I want to just talk about kings or presidents. Bi- the Bible refers to them as, as kings. And I want to look at a couple of examples of Old Testament kings, how God uses them both for good and, uh, you know, for evil to bring judgment. Uh, so I want us to look at uh, Daniel chapter 4. Uh, in Daniel chapter, um, or this da- Daniel chapter 5. Uh, in Daniel chapter, the whole history of the book of Daniel is that uh, God had warned his people that if you sin against me, if you turn your back on me, then I'm going to turn you over to your enemies. And so uh, Daniel chapter 1 begins with uh, Nebuchadnezzar, this great Babylonian king, that goes in and he's just a worldwide conqueror. He's conquered nation after nation after nation. And he goes down and conquers Israel, conquers uh, Judah, and brings back some of the, um, uh, some of the trophies in, in the form of people. And we read about four great men in the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys are all young Jewish men that have been taken out of captivity and brought to Babylon to kind of like serve under uh, King uh, Nebuchadnezzar and, you know, be a part of that great empire. And so chapter 1 starts off that way, and then chapter 2 starts off, the king has this dream, uh, he sees this great vision, no one could interpret the dream for him, it's the vision, the head of gold, the breastplate of uh, silver, uh, the bronze and the, you know, uh, iron and the clay. Um, and no one in his kingdom can interpret that. Uh, Daniel, uh, this great, uh, great man of God, uh, through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to interpret the dream for him. And as a result of that, uh, Nebuchadnezzar just promotes this guy to, you know, just to weigh up in his, uh, in his kingdom. Also, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then in chapter 3, uh, you know, uh, in 3 and 4, the king has another dream. Uh, and he sees this great tree uh, that provides for the entire world, uh, the, the, the beast of the field, the uh, birds of the air. It's great provision, but he sees the tree being cut down and a band wrapped around the stump, and Daniel also interprets that. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, we get to Nebuchadnezzar dies. Chapter uh, 5, we pick up with uh, King Belshazzar, who is either a descendant of Nebuchadnezzar's or someone that was in a close relation to him. So we pick up in verse 1, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for the thousands of his nobles and drank wine with them. And while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar went into uh, Jerusalem, I mean, the temple, we know how magnificent it was. It was beautiful. I mean, Solomon's temple and then later on rebuilt. I mean, it was just absolutely just, you know, just beautiful, beautiful. I mean, it was like one of the wonders of the world. And, uh, but when he goes in, he takes, and if you look at what Solomon did, you know, he made the shields that most people would have made out of bronze or brass, 
uh, he made, makes all of these shields out of gold. And so all the cups, all the utensils are silver and gold. And so this man, this descendant of Nebuchadnezzar, is having this great orgy, this great party, and then he decides that he wants to spice it up a little bit. And so he has someone go get all of the utensils from the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, that he might drink from them. And so they brought in the gold goblets that he had uh, taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles and his wives and his concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine and praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone, suddenly the finger of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand of the royal palace. And the king watched the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale. He was so frightened that his legs became weak, and his knees were knocking. And the king summoned the enchanters, and the astrologers, and the diviners, and that's exactly what his grandfather did, or Nebuchadnezzar had done. Uh, he had brought in all of the enchanters and the astrologers first to interpret the dream, but they couldn't do it. And then he said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads the writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed about his neck, and he will be made the third highest ruler in my kingdom. Then the king's wise men came in, but they could not read the writing or tell the king what it meant. So King Belshazzar became even more terrified, and his face grew more pale, and his no nobles were baffled. And the queen, this is probably the queen mother, not his wife, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles came into the banquet hall, may the king live forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. Notice it's little g. She didn't recognize the Lord God of heaven. And in the time of your father, he was found to have the insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians and the enchanters, the astrologers and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom he, the king called Belshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, also the ability to interpret dreams and explain riddles and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel. He will tell you what the writing means. And so Daniel was brought before the king, and the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles, my father, uh, the, king of, uh, the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight and intelligence and outstanding wisdom. And the wise men and the enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give the interpretation to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Your majesty... Notice that Daniel refers to him with respect and dignity. Even though Daniel is a slave in this man's kingdom, he says, Your Majesty, the Most High God 
gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Remember in that, that statue that he saw, the head was made of gold. And, and uh, Daniel said because he was the gold, he had the greatest of those four world empires that were about to come. He says, your father has given you, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, God the father had given your father Nebuchadnezzar uh, sovereignty, greatness, and glory, and splendor because of the high position he gave him. All the nations and people of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. And those that he wanted to spare, he spared. And those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory and was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. And he lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven. You'll remember in chapter 4 uh, where all of this happens that, I mean, Nebuchadnezzar just loses his, he absolutely loses his mind. He goes insane, and he is driven out. He's driven away from the kingdom. He lived out in the field like a wild animal. And uh, Daniel is recounting that for uh, his son until he acknowledged. And that's what happened at the end of that seven-year period. Nebuchadnezzar, it says that he came to, his sanity was restored to him. He, his, his thoughts and his senses came back to him. One of the translations says that, um, that when he came to his senses... It says that about the prodigal son, that the prodigal son was out there living with the, you know, in, the, in, the, in a foreign land with hogs. And it says that when he came to his senses, he wanted to return to his father's house. And that's what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. When he came to his senses and all of his pride, he's standing there on the balcony looking at all of the things that, that he had done and taking credit for it and not giving God any credit for it. And it says that he lost his mind and he was absolutely insane. He lived in the fields like a wild animal. And he was that way, and we pick up again, until he acknowledged, listen to this, that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth. Well, what's that mean? Is this story just for 2,000 years ago or 3,000 years ago? Or is that true today? Is God the Father sovereign over all the kingdoms of the world today? Is he sovereign over the United States? Is he sovereign over Israel? Is he sovereign over Iraq and Iran and Syria and Libya and all of these other nations where there's so much turmoil? Is God sovereign over those nations? He is. He is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth. And listen to this. And he sets over them anyone he wishes. All right, so some of you are saying right now, I can hear you saying this, if that's true, why do I even need to vote? Okay, if God's already going to set somebody in that position, why do I need to vote? Jim, you want to answer that question? <laughs> no, seriously, God is sovereign. And he does put uh, people in these places of position. But he moves on our hearts. He uses men. He uses men and women to accomplish his, accomplish his will. He uses us. And he places on our heart who we think you know, should be the next president of the United States. 
And so let's keep going. But you, now listen to this. He's back, Daniel is back talking to uh, Belshazzar. He says, but you, Belshazzar, his son. Now this is Daniel, this slave, talking to the king, okay? You have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. I'm going to speak to some of you just personally right now. Some of you know what God's word says, and you are living in deliberate disobedience, even though, just like Belshazzar, you knew this, or you know this. You know what God's word says, and you are deliberately living contrary to the word of God. He says, though you knew all of this, instead... You didn't humble yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. We continue. You had the goblets from the temple brought to you, and you and your nobles and your wives and your concubines drink wine from them. You praise the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or cannot hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life in all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand and wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written. Many, many tekel parson. And here's what these words mean. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and been found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. He kept his word. A chain of gold was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, the king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. I mean, it's a pretty amazing story when you think about it. I mean, he's there. Daniel is laying it on the line. He's not holding anything back. He's telling him exactly what this interpretation means. You have been found weighed and wanting. And, um, you know, that uh, the, the God of heaven has looked down and he's looked upon you. How many of us in this room have been found weighed and wanting this morning? I mean, if you feel like in your heart that you've been found weighed and wanting you know, God has given you an opportunity. Uh, you know, Belshazzar didn't have that opportunity. At least he didn't have it for long. His life was given up that night. So we see that, I, I just want to point out a couple of things that stand out in this to me. That God sets up leaders, and I want us to look at a, a couple of verses. From uh, Daniel chapter 4, verse 25, uh, this is God speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, the king that lost his mind and went crazy, lived in the woods and the fields for seven years. Seven times or seven years will pass, uh, by, will pass by for you until you acknowledge, listen to this, until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all the kings of the earth, over all the kingdoms of the earth, and gives them, no, notice this, and God gives them to anyone he wishes. He was driven away from people, given the mind of an animal. He lived in the wild. Uh, donk uh, he lived with the wild donkeys, ate grass like the ox, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven. Until he acknowledged, listen, until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and sets over them anyone he wishes again. Then in Daniel 2.20, it says, During the night, 
The mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be to the name of, the God, of, the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. Listen, he, this is what Daniel's saying about God, he deposes kings. I mean, that means he takes them down from their throne, and he raises others up. On Tuesday, God's getting ready to do something. He's going to either depose the king and raise another one up, or he's going to keep a king there. Now, if he keeps a king there, in times past, if we look at this uh, second point that I want to make, that God uses, look, it's hard to believe this. It's hard for us to get our mind around this. But God uses ungodly kings or ungodly leaders to execute judgment. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let me give you a couple of examples uh, from 1 Chronicles chapter 5. These were the heads of their family, uh, Ephor, Ish, Ishai, Eli, Eliel, Arizel, Jeremiah, Hodaviah, and ja, Jadel. They were brave warriors, famous men, and heads of their families, but they were unfaithful to the God of their ancestors, ancestors and they prostituted themselves to the gods of the people of the land, whom God had swore or whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel, listen to this, the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, that is uh, Tiglath-Pleser, king of Assyria, who took the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh, into exile. Now, this is how God is dealing with his own people. The God of Israel stirred up the spirit of a king from another nation to deal with his own people. We read in Habakkuk, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I'm going to do something in your day that you would not believe, even if I, if it were, if, even if I told you. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless, ruthless impetuous people, now, this is God giving a word to Habakkuk, and this word came about, about 10 years before Nebuchadnezzar goes in and takes uh, uh, Israel and Judah captive. Several years, he's giving this prophetic word, and he's saying to Habakkuk, I'm going to do something in your day that you, will, you won't believe. I'm going to bring in the Babylonians, and I'm bringing them in for judgment. I'm bringing them in, and Habakkuk replies in verse 12, he says, you, Lord, have appointed them, talking about the Babylonians, to execute judgment. So God uses different kings and different nations to bring judgment against his people. The third point that I see in this is that God uses godly leaders uh, to bring in a blessing. In the same way that God will use an ungodly king or a king from another nation to bring in judgment, God uses godly leaders to bring in blessings upon a people. The Bible says, Proverbs 14, 3, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. And we read in uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, the people, this is under Solomon's reign, probably one of the greatest times, David and Solomon, greatest reigns of Israel's history. And under Solomon's reign, it says, the people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They ate and they drank and they were happy. And then it goes on to say, still under Solomon's rule, for he, Solomon, ruled over the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River from Tifsa to Gaza and uh, had peace on all his sides. 
During Solomon's lifetime, Judah and Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, lived in safety, everyone under his own vine and everyone under his own fig tree. It was just a, 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 it's a, a phrase for prosperity during that time, during the time of, of, uh, of, during the reign of Solomon. So godly kings were bringing the blessing of a nation. Ungodly kings were bringing the wrath of God. The fourth point that I want us to look at, that God will have the last word. With uh, Belshazzar, um, and we read again, but you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all of this. Instead, you've set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. And God dealt with him because he set himself against the Lord of, of heaven. We fast forward to the future, to the end of the book, Revelation. And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. And earth and heaven fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were, jo- were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So guys, look, as we think about this, I mean, just, you know, in the video illustration, erased from existence. We just read here that in the future, there's going to be a day when two books are opened. And and I'm just asking you for, you know, for you to consider this. Are you going to be erased from the future? Which one of those books are you going to be in? The book of life? Or are you going to be judged because of the things that you didn't do or that you knew that you should have done? Just like Daniel was saying to that king, you knew these things. You knew these things. And you didn't honor the God of heaven. And sometimes we get in these places in life where sin just kind of continues to lead us and lead us and lead us, and we get further and further away from God. Or perhaps there's someone that you know that you've never shared the Word of God with, you've never shared Jesus with, and and perhaps on that day, His face won't be on that page of life. You know, I mean, these are serious times that we live in. And we talked about, you know, kings, we've got this incredible election coming up, now, I, I want to just, uh, like we've done in the last couple of weeks, I want us to pray. I want us to break up in those groups again. And I know that some of you, I know you feel uncomfortable doing this. And, and it's okay. If you don't want to pray, you can just silently pray. You can just pray what comes to your heart. But we are facing some serious times right now. And I want God, I, I want us to, you know, the Lord says that in Second Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God is talking about his people, not the rest of the world. He's talking about his people turning from their wicked ways. And if they would seek my face, I would hear from heaven, forgive their sins, 
and heal their land is what he was saying. I want God to hear from heaven today. I want him to forgive our sins. I'm not talking about the world's sins. I'm talking about the church's sins. You know, that we have been negligent. You know, look at this scripture right here. This is the last one I'll read, and then we can break up in our groups and pray. He says that, I read this a couple of weeks ago, but it's important enough to read it again. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And Paul is saying to Timothy, this, you know, uh, a young uh, convert, and he's giving instructions on how to uh, order the government of the church. Um, you know, he, he talks about in First and Second Timothy, he talks about uh, government of the church, of deacons and elders and, and wives and, and uh, positions of authority. And he says, but he says, I urge you, first of all, that petitions and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he kind of clarifies that. He says, for kings and for those that are in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Let me just break it down for you again. Paul is saying that I want you to pray that you have godly leaders because if you have godly leaders, you'll have good government. And if you have good government, then you can live uh, a quiet, peaceful life. And if you can have good government and live a quiet, peaceful life, then you're able to promote the gospel. Now, you look around the world today, I mean, there are places, there are nations on this, uh, the face of this earth that if you even try to talk about Jesus in some countries, you'll be put to death. But we live in a nation where we still have that right, even though some of those rights are being, uh, being hindered and squashed in some cases. But I, I'm, I want us to pray this morning that, that God's man, whoever it is, that God will put the right man in office. And that not just for president, but for you know, Congress and Senate and local government, we, want, we need godly leaders. If we have godly leaders, they'll lead this nation, and God will turn, I believe, the curse that this nation is in right now. I believe that we're in judgment right now because we have failed as a church to do our part. We have been in the closet when others have been out of the closet. We have kind of kept our, our mouths closed and have really not talked about things that we believe in. Uh, we've been made a spectacle of. We have been put down. We've been called bigots. Uh, we've been, you know, labeled all of these names. It's time once again for God's people to take a stand, to be the light of the world. Somehow we've come off of the, uh, the lampstand and we've covered the light. And God has called us to be the light of the world. 